what does that mean? That the Father turned away from the Son on the cross and the weight of my sin, the weight of my messy years, all of the Friday nights that I spent doing stupid stuff, those moments of rebellion were put on the Son. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Indo Podcast Show. I'm Isaac, your host, and with me today is Buzz Cutted Jake. <laughs> Jake does have you got a buzz yeah, cut? What did I, you I get? Cut my, I cut my hair. I didn't really think about it. It just happened, and the guards came off, and I just yeah cut my hair off. It's been very hot here. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't it a very good idea, hang. but yeah. The last few days has been crazy. Yeah, it has. This is like I don't know, like thirty something yeah, yesterday. It's crazy. Yeah. And growing up, did you ever have any like? hair cutting catastrophes yeah my dad actually if you know my dad ben lola back to the bible very good radio personality terrible hair cutter <laughs> the worst hair cutter ever it looked like like um i don't know like my head got stuck in some like lawn trimming equipment or something because oh, no. it was just all over the place and they didn't even get it fixed like they just let it grow back in <laughs> See, okay like, that it was, was terrible i remember when i was in grade seven my sister was grade nine and from where i went to school it was it was kindergarten to grade seven in elementary and then eight yeah. to 12 secondary. I got off school 45 minutes before my sister. So my mom picked me up. We went down and got my hair cut. Now, I, just <laughs> previous to this, I we tried to dye my hair. My mom's kind of you know, eccentric. Frost so she, tips? Well, I, I, I did get frost tips. That was earlier. But this for this one, they tried to dye my hair all blonde, but my, okay. my hair is so dark brown that it went red. It went really red. So then we went down to get a haircut and the lady down there like gave me this really like strange, like kind of a 50 year old woman, like small haircut. Woman, small. <laughs> but yeah, I know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyways, my mom kind of like chuckled a little bit. and was like, no, it's probably fine. It's all good. So we go and we pick up my sister at three from high school. She gets in the car and she looks at my head. And she just bursts out <laughs> laughing. And then that encourages my mom to start laughing oh, at really? me. So I had my best support, my mom and my sister, laughing at my 50-year-old <laughs> female red You and your haircut. mom probably had the same haircut. You know, we did, actually. <laughs> and that's totally fine. Anyways, that's that's funny. So we are in um, our series, obviously. And you've actually... Were you here for the, the man or the God episode? I was here for the God episode. That's God episode. Awesome. So now we're on Jesus now. Yeah. Uh, Chris Thronis is the uh, the person that I got to chat with, which is awesome. He's a pastor at uh, Coquitlam Alliance. Yeah. It was an awesome conversation. I'm really excited to uh, dig into it a little bit. By the way, we're talking about Jesus this week and how he relates to the gospel. And it's interesting that on the news, I found out that his tomb in Jerusalem is under construction. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the little like the orange cones outside Jesus' tomb. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's intense, man. It, like, his tomb, well, where they say the tomb is, right? Yeah. It's like, it's this crazy big thing inside this massive like church. Wow. It's crazy. But anyways, cool. it's all kind of like marked off now. So they yeah. like, you know, because it's under construction, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Anyways, uh, let's let's get into the conversation, then we'll come back. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, it's great to have uh, Chris Thronus in the studio today. Uh, hey, Chris. How's it going? I'm, I'm very good. Awesome. Chris is the executive pastor at Coquitlam Alliance Church, and that's in the Vancouver Vancouver area. So why don't you just give us a little summary of, of who you are? Before that, quickly, I, I met Chris first, or I saw him the first time, probably like three, four years ago when I started going to this uh, young adults church called Ethos, right. yeah. where you used to be the pastor. That's right. And uh, yeah, so that's where I first saw you, and then yeah. we've just sort of 
started a relationship. It's it's fresh though. It's new. Yeah. And that's exciting. Yeah. But I want you to share with us how you met Jesus and sort of where you're at now. Sure. Well, I grew up in a ministry home myself. So just uh, Jesus was always around, like talked about, yeah. but um, really didn't um, take any hold in my life until probably like 2006, to be honest. Okay. And uh, that was after like three or four years of Bible college. Okay. Now, there, there were great moments in, in, you know, going to school and learning and all that sort of stuff. But man, I I really, really started to understand and fall in love with Jesus probably around 21. Okay. Um, but really, like my early 20s were just so messy. And so the, the, there came a point where I just said, I am either all in on this yeah. and Jesus is worthy or... I, I'm sick of playing this double life, yeah. this one one way with one group of people and another way with another. And so I really started to fall in love with Jesus, messy, but yeah. fall in love with Jesus cool. in my early 20s. And now just being able to to be a part of, of church and, and ministry and just to see as, as he's working in my own life, mm-hmm. just how worthy he is. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, you know broad, yeah. but that, that's really my story. Just a, a real time of learning and growing in Jesus, probably at an, a later age than what I should have right. as a ministry family, knew about Jesus, all that stuff. But it, it took me a long time. Yeah. It took me a long time. When you, if you grew up in a ministry family, when you were like, I don't know, preteens, teenager, did you think like, I'm going to be no, oh, and that was a lot of it, right? Is I I wanted to run as far away from this as I possibly could. Uh, it was one of those things like, okay, Jesus, you can take you know one or two things, but not my whole life. Don't you dare do that, and don't you dare call me into ministry because my grandpa was a pastor, my dad was a pastor, and I did not want to be that. Continue so that, exactly. That <laughs> so I just ran, man. I ran, and that was a lot of it. Was me getting used to this, like my own vocation, my own call, my own passion for Jesus, and. My dad did a great job. It had nothing to do with my dad. It just was my own journey yeah. of, of figuring that out. And and really why Jesus was better than everything that I was doing. I didn't really get that for a long time. So um, it clicked. Yeah. Um, but but probably a lot later than what it should have. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, in, in like 25 seconds, what, what, what encouragement could you say to uh, a PK, a pastor's kid who may be listening, who's struggling right now? Yeah, I, I think the change was when I saw the commands of God leading me to life not death. Uh, because I, I didn't get that. Yeah. I just thought this is boring. This is restrictive. I didn't know anything else. Yeah. But when I actually started to to live the way that Jesus taught me to live, I was like, man, my life is a lot better. Yeah. Uh, so cool. And it, it led to life. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, as you know, we're in a series right now called This is the Gospel. Yeah. And it's a series uh, talking about the five kind of major aspects, subjects of the gospel, God, man, sin, Jesus, and uh, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we've gone through God, man, and sin. And now we're, we're, we're at Jesus, which probably is like the crux of it all. Yeah, I know. No pressure, right? Yeah, no pressure <laughs> at all. So I'm gonna, actually, it's funny. Uh, as I told you as well, Dave Johnson, who you work with, at yeah. Lines, he was in uh, last week talking about uh, sin. And he was really bummed that uh, he didn't get to talk about yeah. Jesus. So. <laughs> just the bad news. Yeah, it's the, yeah, just the bad news. And you can come in with the with the good news, literally. I'll do um, my best. So let's just, let's just jump into this. Again, you know, Jesus... There's lots of atheist scholars, historians, they believe Jesus, Muslims believe in Jesus, New Age people, they believe Jesus. Who, who is who is Jesus? Who is this guy? Yeah. I, I think, you know, as you look across human history, 
as you've mentioned, world religions, everybody's compelled by Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, even just a, a, a plain reading of some of the Gospels. It's like, who who is this guy, you know, that, uh, and it, I, I mean, even if you think of the disciples, they're even asking that question. Exactly. Like, who is this guy? And so, you know, it's it's a great question. I think I think every thoughtful person has to ask and then answer. You yeah. know, at some point. So I think you know what we see in scripture is uh, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the He's the one that the Old Testament has prophesied about, talked about, foreshadowed. He is He's the one to reconcile all things to Himself. Um, and so, you know, any answer apart from what we get in scripture, I don't think comes close to who he actually was. Right. You know, as you think about even his relationship to the Father and the Trinity, um, you know, you have to wrestle with all of the weight. And I think the the burden of proof lies on uh, not the Christian, but the other worldviews to really fully answer who he is based on what we see in the most accepted views of who he is in the Gospels and in the New Testament. And so I think the answer is clear if you let the evidence speak for itself. Okay. So if you're reading the New Testament, which is probably the most historically documented history of Jesus, then you come to know that he is the son of God. What are the implications of that? What does that even mean if he's the son of God? Well, I I think you, you have to wrestle with his life. Mm. his words, mm-hmm. his actions. If he is a son of God, then you, you have to take what he says very seriously. As, as Jesus defines reality, when you even look at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, yeah. and he talks about um, lust and anger and really redefining kind of the Ten Commandments about what this all looks like. And you have to look at that and say, like, what does that actually mean? It, does his teaching have authority? Right. Right. And then I think you look at his his miracles, and you have to look at his talk about the kingdom of God and him inaugurating kind of this world where God is in charge, and this is what the the, the foreshadowing of that is with his miracles and with his teaching. And I mean, ultimately, you have to wrestle with his death and with his resurrection. If he is the son of God, what happened in that moment, yeah. you know, on Friday? Yeah. And what happens on Sunday morning when the tomb is empty? And and I think you, you have to just look at that and ask yourself, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Exactly. Uh, Dr. John, who we work with at Back to the Bible Canada, he he has this dream, he says, where he he's excited for the day when every Canadian will have to deal with, you know, what to do with Jesus, yeah. you know? And I think it's just getting to that point where here's Jesus, here's his miracles he's done, here's his death and resurrection. There's lots of good evidence for his resurrection as well. Yeah. You have to figure out like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, is mm-hmm. he really the son of God or was he just this crazy madman? I think C.S. Lewis talks about yeah. that whole like yeah. uh, problem as well. Switching now a little bit to the Trinity. Uh, yeah. We've talked about the Trinity. Yeah. This is, this is hard for some people to kind of rationalize in their head and mm-hmm. maybe the Trinity isn't something we can rationalize in our head. How does Jesus fit into and fit into this uh this triune God? Um well I, I he does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well let's <laughs> yeah, just start let's there. He that. does. He's in the Trinity. Let's good. get that. Um yeah I, I think Jesus is the second member of the Trinity. He's co-equal. He's coexistent. It's not like there's 33% Father, 33. Right. He's 100% God. And we we see that uh that he is you know fully divine and yet fully 
uh, fully human as yeah. well. So you, you see that in, in all of his teaching, all of his words, all of his actions, um, that he is both. Yeah. Uh, and you see his uh, unique uh, role in the redemptive story in the fact that he is on the cross. Right. As, you know, the Father has sent the Son, and the Son is obedient to the Father and does what the Father's will. And, and you see that in, in that high priestly prayer in John 17. And so, you know, when, when we think about, you know, the, the unique position of Jesus in the Trinity, I think, you know, was the Father on the cross? No, the Father was not on the cross. Was the Spirit on the cross? No, the Spirit wasn't on the cross. Jesus was on the cross. He was the one that had that unique role uh, and that he was sent to, to do something right. um, in, in the grand overarching theme of the redemptive story from Genesis all the way to Revelation and even right. continuing to today. Yeah. Well, you even see, like, when you look at Jesus on earth he never did anything, like you said, uh, without, you know, acknowledging the father first. He only did what the father told him to. Yeah. And there's even things like you get these hints of like, oh, I don't even know when the end of times is going to come. Only yeah. my father exactly. knows. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of my favorite passages of scripture is uh, when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he, yeah. he has the... Yeah. His, his humanity comes out when he says, you know, I know it's coming and Lord, if you could make it happen some other way, that'd be great. Yeah. But not my will, but your will be yeah. done. Yeah. And I just find that fascinating that yeah. Jesus, yes, he is fully God, but he's fully man at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. For this portion, it's pretty incredible. And in First Corinthians, you know, it talks about the keys of the kingdom will be given to the Father, and basically, like Jesus, like I'm, I'm done. I've, I've done, and then you get to come back when you want. I don't even know that, you know. And so there's that unique role, and and even the fact that you know uh, that the the Jesus is is co-equal, but he's also co-eternal. Right. You know, like it wasn't like, you know, the father's like, oh man, this plan of redemption is really going off course. Hey, you get sent in, you know, it doesn't work (laughs) like that, that Jesus was a part of, of creation in that moment, Genesis one. And, and it just, you just really get the sense of the beauty of the story of the gospel, Mm, you know, that, that, um, that he had it in control and this was, this was a part of the plan. Um, yeah, and then I think you even get the, the the separation of of the Father and the Son on the cross, and and what that the weight that that holds, and you don't really get the weight of that unless you you understand that this they were always together in relationship, right? right? And and this moment of the Father turning from the Son on the cross, and the weight of this sin, uh, you, you know, Psalm twenty two, you know, why have you forsaken yeah. me? Ugh. You don't really get that unless you understand the full the fullness of the Trinity and the fullness of the plan of salvation. And so all those things that I think, you, you know, the, the Christian, the believer in, in Jesus can ponder yeah. for their whole life. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. That the Father turned away from the Son on the cross and the weight of my sin, yeah. the weight of my messy years, you know, yeah. and and those poor decisions that I made and all of the Friday nights that I spent doing stupid stuff, that those moments of rebellion were put on the Son. Yeah, you know, like uh, that. That's what starts to stir your heart is when you think about like that. It wasn't just a far off abstract thing. But it was it was my sin that was put on Jesus, and I I think when you think about Jesus and the Trinity, that it all starts to to have weight to it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I remember hearing one uh, sermon where a pastor sort of just did a narrative paraphrase of the crucifixion, and when he got to that point of you know the Father obviously forsaking his Son at that moment, you see he talks about how when the Father looked at Jesus, he saw a murderer and a, the prodigal son and everything in right. Jesus, and that's just yeah. the weight of that yeah. is heavy 
It's heavy on us. Um, before we actually talk about the the implications of the the cross, his death and resurrection, which is the salvation, uh, what were some of the things that he did in his life here on earth? Things like his miracles and what he taught. I know we just briefly touched on it, but what is what is, what did he do? Someone want to know what did Jesus do on earth coming up to his resurrection? Yeah, I, I think the the paradigm or, or the the thought that Jesus always would bring us was, was a kingdom of God. Like, mm. what is a kingdom of God? I think if you think of the, the kingdom of God is what what life is like when God is in charge. And so right. under God's rule, what does that look like, feel like, smell like? You know, wh- wh- yeah. what is that reality like? And so when you think of le- Jesus's life, like what did he do? You think of this idea of what what is life like when God is in charge? Mm-hmm. And so you get you get all of the effects of sin reversed. Right. Right. You, you get you get the, you know, the the healings of of people with uh, just their bodies are ravaged by sin and the brokenness of, of the world, the fractured um, world that we live in. And you see all that being made right. Yeah. You see people, uh, you know, I just think of John chapter four, you think of the woman at the well who should not be talking with Jesus for many different reasons, you know, really sexually broken. And, and Jesus sits down with this woman, brings dignity, yeah. brings forgiveness, brings right worship, mm-hmm. challenges her worship. Uh, and then with all of that says, now, I don't want you to sin anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so all, all of the wrongs being made right in, in his teaching, in his dealing with the marginalized, with the prostitutes, with those who don't get it, mm-hmm. even him calling his disciples the 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 not good enoughs the the teenagers who just are going to be fishermen for the rest of their life and all yeah. of a sudden the, this group of twelve changed the world and yeah. um, so you just get this like what is life like when God is in charge you just get this rich hope and beauty of grace and redemption and and things being turned around. And there's so much hope for me, and I think for you, Isaac, too, as we yeah. look at that, oh, that, totally. that. That's my life. Like, what is life like when God is in charge? And Jesus is bringing in that kingdom, teaching about what it's like. So his parables, he's teaching about what is life like when God is in charge. The person who shouldn't get first in line gets first in line. You know, that sort of stuff. And and then his, his healings. Um, it's just beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. So last week we talked about sin and the week before that, man. And we learned that sin was this, because of Adam, our first fathers, of uh, the fall, uh, disease and sin and death spread to all men. And then we read in Psalm 51, 5, David says, you know, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity yeah. and sin to my mother conceived me. All of us have, you got Romans 3, talks, no one is good, no one seeks God. So when we come to Jesus' death and resurrection, you know, this is the this is the free gift of salvation we read about in Scripture. What took place on the cross? What was the you know transaction, let's say, or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. What took place, and what is that? What are the implications of that for us today? Yeah. Well, this is so real right now because I have a toddler, okay. and she's like t- two and a half, and her favorite words right now are "No, I don't want to," and I may like, "Hey, Hannah, you want to do? Maybe I do." It's like, "No, you have to listen to me." So being brought forth in iniquity, man, this is so real in my life right now. So when I think of Hannah, and I think of you know her her interaction 
interaction with Jesus, my prayer yeah. is as, as she was, has been brought forth in iniquity. And it's just true. I haven't taught her to say no. Yeah. She's she's just a rebel at heart. And it reminds me of me. And it's absolutely terrifying. But anyway, um, you know, you get that sense through Romans about, you know, death through Adam and life through Christ. So, you know, Adam is the representative of humanity who failed in the garden. Yeah. And Christ is a representative of, of humanity in, in his humanness. Right. Who's representing where Adam failed, Christ succeeded. He went through it. And so there's this idea that you can be reborn into a new family. And uh, so for for Hannah, let me just talk about Hannah. Yeah, yeah. What's the implications for her and for those listening, obviously, too, but... It's the fact that with sin, it doesn't have the final say. So like sin is my default. Sin is your default. But being reborn into a new family in Christ, when we're in Christ, it it means that the power of sin and its implications, the sting is taken out of death, that I can be be led by the Holy Spirit and all of the selfishness and sin. It's it's the fact of, um, I think the reformers said, uh, my, the heart is turned inward with sin. Mm. And when you're remade or reborn into a new family in Christ, it's the heart being made turned outward again. Right. And so it's this idea that the world isn't all about me, that it's about you know, love and joy and peace in in Jesus, yeah. and uh, and that uh, my sin is no longer counted against me anymore, right? Because it's been placed on Jesus, and so I'm justified. I'm made new. I'm regenerated. My heart that was dead to Christ is now made alive. That the things I thought were terrible and boring and gross and uh, and were you know burdens on me, I now look at as life. Mm. Um, so you get you know all of that kind of the the order of salvation coming through and justification, regeneration, um, you know, and then sanctification in in Jesus now because of what happened on the cross when all of the wrongs um, were made right in in Christ. Yeah, that's so good. Um, if someone's listening right now and uh, if someone wants to know Jesus, yeah, you know, someone who wants to accept this new life, yeah. you know, in Jesus, what are they to do? I think some people get mixed up in that. They don't know. What do they do? What do they do? Yeah. I think there is a, there has to be an acknowledgement that, man, I have gone sideways here. Hmm. You know, like there's acknowledgement of, of my sin and my rebellion and and there's no longer a comparison to my friends about how good I am. Right. But you start comparing yourself to the like the holiness and uh, of, of who God is and like, man, I have fallen short of that. And, uh, you know, my Friday nights and my inward thoughts and, and my actions, my motivations, they're all about me. And so that, I think, is a first acknowledgement, you know, that until, I think one of the Puritans said, until uh, sin is bitter, Christ be not sweet. Mm. And so I think you have to see that, man, like there is an ugliness to myself. But at the same time, then the good news and the grace comes. And so, you know, if somebody wants to acknowledge Jesus, I think there's a confession of your sin, an acknowledgement of the person and work of Jesus on your behalf, and a simple faith transfer from myself and my good works, from my own dreams, a faith transfer from me to Jesus. You know, because it's not like you didn't have faith before. Right. You you, you have faith. It's now just transferred onto uh, somebody much more 
worthy than you. And so, you know, I, I transfer it to Jesus. And then it's the long, slow, bumpy walk of discipleship. Yeah. After that. And we get into that next week when we talk yeah. about the Holy Spirit's well, we role won't go of there sanctification. Yet. <laughs> no, we won't go there yet. Yeah. Um, hey, thank you so much, Chris. No that problem. was awesome. And uh, yeah, thank you. That was a conversation with Chris Thronas, the pastor at Coquitlam Alliance. Jake, when did you meet Jesus? Well, well, much like it's like the very regular like Christian like story that I grew up in. Mo- both my parents were were pastors. I'm in the Salvation Army as I was growing up, so we moved around. But I was always in the church, and I was always brought to church, or I was brought to like camp because they um, were leaders of camps as well, like Christian camps. So I sort of grew up living that way, a lot like many you know regular Christians. And I don't think my like honest, real relationship with Christ started happen. Um, until probably my early young adulthood. And what sort of, I don't want to say it's unfortunate, but but what happened is that it really came through a lot of struggle, um, a lot of pain and um, some relationship issues I had um, that really sort of broke me down. I mean, it made me really angry with God. And it was kind of one of those situations, you know, you're just sort of brought to your knees because you're like, I don't get this, God. Like, I'm mad. I don't, make the, like, I don't even feel like I want you sometimes right mm-hmm. now. But I'm sort of left with nothing right now. And you're sort of, you know, you're the only person I have or the only, you know, thing I have right now. So I'm just going to let you have it. Hmm. Just because it seems so bad right now that, you know, it couldn't get much worse. So I'm just going to see, you know, see what you can do for me. And so, yeah, give it all up. So, yeah, through that. And I was very humbled in that as well and, and growing through that, which was a really tough circumstance, but also a really good circumstance. And since then, like, I've been very blessed by the Lord as yeah. well. And, in, you know, being young adults pastor now and, and a worship leader and stuff, yeah, he's blessed me a lot in that. Well, it's interesting what you say there where you're like, it was a very humbling time. Yeah. Because I find that the more and more you follow Jesus, the more humble you kind of yeah. become. And it yeah. kind of have to be, you have to keep continually lay down your yeah. pride, right? And and that's the, the great thing. And, and like, I, I don't want to say, like, oh, Jesus is super neat to me, but he is. Like, I kind of nerd out sometimes when I think about Jesus. Um, but like what you guys were talking about, like in the garden as well, Jesus is an excellent example of submission. Right. Um, and that's how a very good lesson for me as well. Because I sort of walked around before, like, very prideful and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And like, oh, I'm a Christian and stuff and probably not even living the life. Right. But in that moment, you know, and God brought me down to my knees and reading about Jesus in that way, like, here's God, literally God in flesh, and even he is submitting right. to the Father as well. Yeah. So who am I to walk around and pretend like I'm better, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or, or that I don't need him. That's really good. So point. in that, in that, in that humbling time, yeah, really taught about submission and just laying it down and, and yeah, getting a good, do- good, good dose of humility. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, I find that too is like Jesus. Like when I follow him, he gives me the perfect example of how I ought to relate to the Father. Yeah, you know. And now, I mean, we all we obviously believe that Jesus is. He is the father in the sense that he's God. But when Jesus came down, God incarnate came down, he lived this life of total submission to the father. He didn't do anything Mm -hmm. unless his father told him to, right? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, again, we talked about the garden story as well, where he says, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And what I love is the fact is that Jesus is our mediator. Yeah. Is that we as broken human beings, and I think of myself here and like, everything that I've done. And I mean, I'm sure you can relate to stupid things that you've done. (laughs) Yeah. Lots. 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 But I I think like, man, there's no way that I could reach out to the father 
because he's perfectly righteous and just, and I'm so broken. That's why obviously Jesus is the mediator. He's the one that reconciled God to man. Mm-hmm. And I think that is amazing. Like that yeah. bridge, you know, the whole story, the bridge that Jesus is the one between that and enables you to actually have that relationship with the father. Yeah. And what I think is so cool too, is that Hebrews is like, it said that Jesus was made to be in every way like us. Um, and he was tempted in every single way that we were Yeah, it's so incredible. that he can help us who are tempted, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I think of, you know, first Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, you know, no temptation can overtake you. That's not common to man. Every time you're tempted with, along with that temptation, God's going to provide you a way of escape. And I think it's important for us to know that that way of escape is Jesus yeah. every single time. You yeah. Know? It's pretty every crazy. Every single time is, is Jesus. Is Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's kind of a mind blower, you know? And it shows you the goodness and the greatness of our Lord as well that, you know, I know the struggle of temptation and the power of that, and I have fallen into that before. But to know that Jesus was here and in our flesh and felt it as much as I feel it and never succumbed once to it. Yeah. Is amazing. Yeah. And shows you just the goodness of, yeah. of our Lord. Yeah. I think I think to finish off today, it'd be interesting. I think there's lots of young adults that uh Christians too, but non-Christians as well, that are sort of like Thomas, that, you know, they they heard of the risen Lord, but they they said that I'm not gonna believe until I see and I mm-hmm. feel. And then Jesus comes and says, you know, hey, like, you know, touch my hands and my yeah. side. And then and then what does Thomas do? He says, My Lord and my God. To think, you know, what are some ways that Christians today, like Thomas, can sort of touch the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. I think what we can do and encourage others, and I think this is even just both for us, the way that we sort of touch the hands and the side of Jesus today is by looking into his word. Yeah. It's by looking to his word. It's by looking at the evidence, the real evidence of his resurrection. It's by actually taking the time to reach out your hand, just like Thomas had to reach out and touch the the holes in Jesus' hands inside. We actually have to reach out to the words of Christ in yeah. our, our Bibles and at the evidence of the yeah. resurrection as and, well. And our incredible gift as well that we have in that word is, and like you guys were talking about, whether or not you believe that Jesus is the son of God or not, Jesus was real. Yeah, that's right. Jesus was a man. Yeah. He was here. So you open up the word and you know that this stuff has actually happened. Yeah. It's a historical document. Like it is. And it's very well proven and backed up as well. Yeah. So it's taking that and seeing, and this stuff has actually happened, yeah. and then taking that and applying it to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the, the, the first step, obviously, Dr. John has a dream. Dr. John Newfeld, who's the Bible teacher, Vax the Bible Canada, he has a dream that every Canadian, will, it will get to the point where they have to make a decision of what to do with Jesus. Yeah. I think the first step is reaching out to the word, reaching out like Thomas did with his hand and saying, all right, is he really the son of God? Mm-hmm. And then after that, allowing his word to actually make an impact in, yeah. in your life. Anyways, thanks so much for uh, coming on today, That was Jake. great. That was really fun. Anyways, if you want to, uh, that wraps up the Indo Podcast Show. If you want to hear more, uh, you can go to indo.ca and listen to all our past episodes, especially in our This Is The Gospel series, talking about God and man and sin and Jesus. And uh, next week will be the Holy Spirit. Connect with us over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Anyways, that wraps it up. I'm Isaac and this is Jake. This is the Indo Podcast. The In Doubt Podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's young adult ministry, In Doubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.